So I like to use the word reparent when we can go back kind of through our subconscious to those memories from our past. Maybe it was as a child, you were only praised when you did really well. You got an A on a test or you won a sporting event. You weren't praised for just being who you are. You weren't just told, I love you so much, just randomly. You're only felt supported during like these external incredible things that you did. So often in our relationships, then you need that praise. You want to hear words of affirmation from your partner because you don't necessarily feel the love any other way. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hello lovers, welcome to episode 116 of The Medicine Podcast. I am truly, truly grateful for you being here, whether you are driving or cooking or on the elliptical. I love that you are bringing our voices and energy into whatever it is that you are doing. Before we jump into the super dope topic and guest for today, if The Medicine Podcast has helped you in any way, maybe bringing more awareness to your relationship or supporting your conscious lifestyle, or maybe you just love some of the brands that we talk about or any other way. I want to invite you to please take two minutes and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It's kind of easy to just shrug off because it seems sort of trivial, but it means so much to us that we want to do something special for any of you leaving a genuine five-star review. So when you write your review, take a screenshot and before you push submit, send it to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Remember, no E on the end of medicine, themedicinepodcast at gmail.com, along with your name and best shipping address. And we will personally send you a thank you surprise because it means that much to us. Okay, on to the episode. Today we are speaking to Beth Miller, who is the founder of Soulify Wellness, a marriage coach, teacher of psychology, consulting hypnotist, and Reiki energy practitioner. She is also a wife and mom to three boys. Beth has coached many women who are on the verge of divorce and helped them transform their lives and marriages into relationships filled with mutual love, connection, and support. Her method is deeply rooted in psychology and neuroscience. One of her secret weapons is hypnojourneying, a deep meditation that has been referred to as, quote, meditation on steroids that helps women to release and reprogram limiting beliefs that have been keeping them stuck in relationship struggles. Also, in addition to the hypnojourneying, as you'll hear today, Beth has really incredible practical tools that anyone can use to understand themselves on a deeper level, which then also translates into smoother relationships. It starts with us. 
In my opinion, relationships are the most significant teachers for us if we choose to see them that way. You guys are really going to love Beth and what she has to say today. She has such a sweet, uplifting energy. And if you enjoy the episode, push the little arrow button and send to someone you love. It's an easy way to help raise the consciousness of our world. Okay, enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi, and I have my love, my partner, my king here with me. What is going on, everybody? This is Chase. Super excited to be here. And we have a very special guest today. We have Beth Miller with us, and we are going to be jumping into the world of conscious partnership, conscious relationship, marriage, and we are super excited to have you on today. Beth, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, And uh, I didn't give you much of a warning, but we do have questions that we ask every guest on the medicine. And the first question that we always ask every guest is, what do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? Oh, I just love that question. It's so beautiful. The two things, I have to pick two. It would be my time in nature. I just love being out for a walk or whether it's like my feet in the sand at the beach. Even this time of year for us, it's it's getting a bit cooler out and I find even just putting my feet in water is just so refreshing. So if I could give everyone the gift, whether you're in a city or whether you're in the country, but that opportunity to take a walk every day for an hour out in nature, it's so cleansing and a really great way to reset your mind. Love that. Oh, yeah. It's it's true, true medicine. It's one of our absolute favorite medicines for sure. Um, and what about your your other, your second? Oh, me time. So they go hand in hand, but really quiet time with myself. It's mm-hmm. amazing how busy you can get with for me, I have three boys and you just crave that alone time, but really when you can get it and get still, it's amazing what comes up. Sometimes all of a sudden you realize that you're really teary because there's a lot of stuff you've been holding in and it just has a chance to come out because you're giving yourself, you're honoring where you're at instead of pushing it down and kind of getting on that race of life, the rat race. So when you can hop off that and really give yourself some alone time to feel what you're feeling, that would be something else that I just absolutely love in my life. And I give everyone the gift of time to be alone, even if it's two minutes by yourself. Oh, yes, so, so important. absolutely. Not talked about enough too. And uh, in this post pandemic world, if you have roommates or if you live with a significant other or kids or family, uh, this is probably something that's come up like, Hey, I can't remember the last time I was alone. <laughs> and uh, even, for, even for us, you know, we live in a small condo and although we're in California, which has uh, a living room that is, you know, the outdoors, essentially, we still have to be really intentional about carving out our own independent time. And so whether that's, uh, you know, getting a workout in just by yourself for an hour or, you know, a, a walk in nature on the beach by yourself, um, there is a piece even to effective relationships where, independence and a little bit of um, your own intentional isolation is just so important, mm-hmm. so healthy. Yeah. And even for for us, this, so, this rings so true. We talk about all the time, making sure we are uh, scheduling time to be present. Like if we go on a walk, instead of plugging in, you know, a podcast into our ears, it's like, what if I just listened to the wind and birds and the ocean, right? And it's, it sometimes can feel like counterproductive, like, oh, I have some free time here. I should be learning. 
but I, I think sometimes to your point, we don't factor in, like we need to also be learning about ourselves and just like being in stillness and quiet to, to really like get a baseline of where we're at so that we can actually move forward and progress and, you know, um, develop our own inner worlds. But I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even know where that baseline is. Is that, is that, would you agree? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Mimi, you said it perfectly. We just need to find that time to really get rooted in ourselves. If I feel stuck, I go for a walk and I used to be like that. I just wanted to be busy and multitask at the same time where I'd put the podcast in or I'd walk with a friend. But now I really do that on my own because if I'm feeling stuck. It's amazing the kind of aha moments that come through when you're out for that walk. If you're really present, it's a great time to really let your creativity flow. And at first it takes a little bit, but if you're out for like 10, 15 minutes, once you kind of get into the sink of walking, because walking is a form of meditation. It's the, if you listen to the sound of your feet hitting the ground or the rustling of the leaves or the trees. Um, it's all a form of meditation because you're in that present state and your subconscious starts to reveal to you different things that are going on in your life that you need to give love to or attention to. Yep, absolutely. I love that. Um, well, I am, I'm curious. We know a little bit about you, but if you could, just to start here, can you let us know and let all the listeners know what exactly is it that you do? How do you help people today in your work? Yes. So I help women, particularly women, a couple men I've helped too, but I work primarily with women who feel like they're on the verge of divorce. They are overwhelmed, exhausted within their marriage. They might feel really resentful of their partner. They're feeling unappreciated, frustrated, sad. It's just all these heavy, dense emotions and they're just so stuck. They don't know what to do. Um, so I help them get to this beautiful place where they can release a lot of that. And they, they release these blocks that are often there from childhood that are kind of playing havoc even in today's relationship with within their marriage and so I get them to this place where they can release that heaviness that denseness they feel lighter happier and more connected to everything around them it's like they can get their power and control back over their lives so it's absolutely incredible the transformation that they can make mm, love that we've definitely seen something similar in our own lives I don't know if you know much about our story but we were childhood sweethearts uh, together for 10 years we were married for three and we actually separated and divorced went through our own spiritual epiphany grand canyon of self-development only to organically you know we never thought we were going to see each other again only to organically three years later kind of come across each other's paths and we were these like new humans and we were like so intrigued with each other that we actually fell back into love and devotion to each other and now we've been back together almost three years in this part too I think that's incredible. You are proof that this works. Really, to fix a marriage, you need to work on yourselves first. So I think couple counseling is incredible. But first, before you even go there, you need to do the individual work. So what you two did is maybe not the easiest route, but look at how much stronger you are within yourself and as a couple, because you've had a chance to release a lot of those things that maybe weren't serving you at the time in terms of maybe not feeling like you are loved enough or feeling like you're not seen or heard within your relationship. And when you can show up and find out why you're not feeling seen and heard, that's when the shifts happen. Yeah. So, so let's go into that a little bit. You know, we'll probably be talking about, you know, some of the ways in which you can start healing, uh, start recovering, you know, some of the tools and modalities uh, that, that you, you offer uh, people who are coming to you. But what are you seeing typically as uh, kind of rhyme and reason for leading up to these on the verge of divorce type 
moments or instances within people's lives? You know, what are some of the dysfunctional patterns? What are some of the um, um, potentially stories people are telling themselves to, that they're getting to, to this point of, hey, I'm, I'm ready for divorce here? Yeah, I see a lot of women who feel so resentful. They feel like they're doing a lot of work in the house. They're not maybe with the kids, making dinner, getting the kids ready for bed, and they're not feeling like their partner's stepping up. They feel like they've asked for help, but their partners aren't stepping up. They see them maybe on their phones or disengaged watching TV, and they just feel like they're hustling at a different level than their partners. So this, what happens is they hit this resistance constantly with their partner, this conflict, this tension, feeling like there's an inequality within the relationship. And over time, when we hit this constant resistance, you then create this resentment. You almost don't like them anymore because they're not they're not making you feel loved. You're not feeling heard. Um, you have to kind of nag and it turns into almost like a parent-child relationship. So I see a lot of that. I also see some infidelity. I see trust being broken and having to rebuild trust. They love their, they want to be married. They want to keep their family together, but having to rebuild that trust once it's been broken. So those would probably be the two biggest that I see. And if we can, um, I would be so, I'm so curious about, you know, your, your life and your path. How did you specifically find this or how did this path find you? Did you have any, you know, issues or problems uh, that you just spoke to that you had to work through that now, you know, it provides you the expertise you could say to help women get through these challenges? Oh, geez, where do I even start with this story? I'm a teacher of psychology, so I used to be a teacher. And what happened, though, my life got a little bit of a shakeup. A couple of years ago, I was right after Christmas. I was on the elliptical doing my workouts, and all of a sudden, my legs started to hurt. And it was a course of about five days where my right leg just got weaker and weaker. And I just thought, oh, I should go to physio. Maybe I hurt something. But eventually, I started tripping up the stairs. I could barely take a step. So I ended up going to the Emerge, um, the emergency room. And it was there that I'll never forget the moment that the ER doctor said to me, your brain is bleeding. And this is what I know. Isn't it wild? It's so shocking to even hear. Like, I'm a healthy 39-year-old mom, three kids. And all of a sudden, I don't even know what my life's going to look like. And I spent a month in hospital learning how to walk again, write again, um, because I lost my ability on my right side because I had a bleed on my left. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's such a crazy story. And because of that, I had all this anxiety. I had depression because I was like, my life, I had no idea what my life was going to be like. I was grieving what I had and didn't even know if I'd be able to really run again. I was a half marathon runner. And so this journey that I was on, I can now look at it as a gift. And the reason why is because it set me on this path to really dig into the subconscious mind. Um, I was in such a bad place. I was seeing a psychologist who was incredible. But I remember crying with her one day, being like, I can't talk back to my anxiety anymore. I was just so fearful that my brain was going to bleed. I was just so sad about my life. I, just to those who are listening, I've made a miraculous recovery. I can walk again. I can run again. Things are so much better. But in that moment with that psychologist, I said, I can't do this, which is what set me on this path to really figure out those root causes of our emotions. And as I set out on this path, um, I combined multiple different modalities. I'm a trained hypnotist um, and a Reiki practitioner. So I work with women's energy. And by combining these modalities to help my own anxiety and depression, something shifted that I had no idea was even shifting in the moment, but it was my marriage. And that was one of these huge outcomes. So I personally went on a transformation, but my marriage shifted too. And it wasn't that my husband was doing the work. It's just because my energy, my vibration into the world had really changed. And he up-leveled with me. We weren't having the same arguments. We had three young kids. Um, at the time, they were four, six, and eight. Um, so 
we didn't have a lot of time for each other, nor were we making time for each other. We had the same arguments. We were like oil and water. I'm very sensitive, very um, shy at times, and he's very opinionated with his, with his opinions and very confident, which works really well in certain situations, but other times it wasn't, and we would get into arguments that weren't great. So but those ended when I started this journey. So I, I had to share this with other women because it's so incredible when you can get to the root causes of so many things that are happening personally from your past. They just transform in your everyday life, whether it's your career or your marriage. Wow. wow. That's an incredible story. I love that. And I love that you were able to like transmute your issues and, and something that, you know, a brain bleed that seems quite unrelated to marriage problems or marriage issues or, or, you know, developing your relationship. But the fact that you started to, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like you, your, your end goal was not to revamp your marriage your goal was to you know get this right get your body right get your mind right and maybe adjust a few things can you can you walk us through maybe just a few things that you that you adjusted in yourself that allowed this transformation in your marriage that you weren't even necessarily like seeking out yeah that's exactly how it happened i never thought i'd be helping women on the verge of divorce save their marriages i was really on this path to figure out why I was so upset sometimes like why I was I was a puddle for a while I was crying all the time because just the stress of how my life had shifted I didn't even recognize myself anymore I was really grieving who I was and I had to kind of step into my new self it's like I was shedding like this kind of shell of myself and figuring out what was going to come out and I was really I realized I didn't love myself mm. and we can all say every single day do I love myself of course I love me but when you really sit with that thought it would actually give me a bit of a pit in my stomach. And I realized I didn't support myself. And one way you can really tell how much you love yourself is how you receive compliments. So if someone says, I love that shirt or you're so beautiful, do you feel that like you actually believe it? Or do you feel like, oh, you don't need to say that? Like, how do you respond to people's compliments? And that's a really good indicator of how much you love yourself. Or do you feel like you need to like give that compliment back? Like you have to reciprocate it right away instead of just accepting and being like, thank you. That's so kind of you to say, I really love this shirt too. Um, so I realized I didn't love myself. And so starting on that path, you know, why do I not love myself? And I realized there's some shame, some guilt from my past, things that were really silly, some things even from my childhood or teenage years, but they weren't actually silly. They were rooted deeply within my subconscious where I felt like I was a bad person. And it could be simple as like stealing some candy from the store as a kid or um, hitting, could be, I'm just trying to think, like breaking a dish and your parents getting mad. Little things like that can still impact your relationships today where you feel like you need to be right all the time or um, that you need other people's approval and validation to feel good about yourself. So I started on that path. And by working on those things within myself, I interacted differently with my, my husband. Yeah, we've, we've done a lot of work around um, what you just spoke to, knowing each other's and ourselves, um, triggers, trauma. We talk a lot about our childhood, what it was like, so that not only we can have empathy for ourselves and what, you know, we went through that was just like normal, quote unquote, normal childhood, you know, great childhood, but we all have traumas, I feel like, from our childhood. And if if you're not willing to look at those things or consider like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best situation and maybe it's affecting me this way in my life now. But I think it's also important to do with your partner so that I am understanding Chase's 
childhood, maybe where it wasn't perfect and how it maybe shapes his um, shapes his behavior or maybe triggers as we're going through life together now. And uh, is that something that you ever, that you speak about is like this sort of empathetic type response between, between people, between partners um, for yourself and each other? Absolutely. It needs to come from a place of love when you're interacting. So often, a lot of times these like petty arguments, they start because just say you're okay just say you've gone to costco and you spend a couple hundred dollars more than you should have like maybe your bill came to five hundred dollars instead of the weekly budget of 300 and you get home and your partner is really upset that you've overspent and this starts a little petty argument because all of a sudden you might feel you feel angry like i spent all this time grocery shopping and now you're worrying about this money we needed this stuff and it just it's the silliest things that we argue about but really there's a deeper root to it and instead of coming from this defensive place, if you come from a place of love and be like, you know what, maybe my partner, he has a bit of a scarcity mindset when it comes to money. He grew up in a home where you really counted your pennies, you saved your money, you only spent what you had. And you come from a place of love where you can see why he has these opinions, why he has these beliefs. And we can meet him there being like, I understand. I know we had this budget set up 200. Um, I know it's really important for you to that we save our money and stay to a budget. And when you can meet them where they're at, instead of taking it so defensively and personally, it transforms the whole dynamic of how you you interact with each other. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Two, two things are definitely coming up for me, and and it's so aligned with what we speak to often. Um, in the realm of relationships, and that is uh, number one is just going upstream. I think too often we are looking at the downstream flooding from upstream issues and those upstream issues can go all the way back to childhood yeah. and all the way back to programming and can actually have nothing to do with your significant other or the relationships that are you know triggering these types of floodings if you will so going upstream or at least mentally even if even if you're before you're putting in any work and what we call that often is what's the thing behind the thing you know, so often it's not the $200 of overspend at Costco. It's the thing behind the thing. It's the, hey, if it's the, maybe it's the masculine who's articulated and spelled out this, you know, budgetary protocol that the family must follow, which is a very, you know, masculine <laughs> thing to do. Uh, maybe it's not that you broke the budget as much as it is you didn't listen to me and you didn't respect the the kind of regulatory environment that I'm putting mm -hmm. in our family for the future. It's for us. It's for, you know, why didn't you respect that or want to be a part of this plan? And so drilling into the things behind the things oftentimes will prevent the downstream flooding from ever happening at all. will provide an mm -hmm. opportunity or an avenue for empathy and for, you know, constructive conversation. Um, and so those are definitely two things that are, that are coming up for me. Is there a practice or a, or a way in which you start to sort of like, reverse engineer some of these literal things that are showing up in a relationship by, you know, potentially pointing to childhood programming, um, you know, early trauma. What are some of those things you often like find yourself drilling into? The first step is really identifying every single unwanted emotion that comes up every single day. And I don't want you to get overwhelmed by this because we feel a lot throughout the day, but just starting even with one or two uncomfortable emotions and really getting curious. So instead of being upset that my husband or my wife made me angry or I'm so frustrated by them instead celebrating it as a gift. I know it's such a strange thing. Think like it's such a strange strategy, but getting excited that yes, I've been triggered because this is a huge massive clue into areas within myself that are screaming out for attention areas within me that 
don't feel seen or heard and I need to dive into these. So first step I always tell people I work with is really identify every single emotion that comes up and that's a trigger and triggers are these like sensitive tender areas within us. So that would be the absolute first step. Yeah, I love that. Like almost like it is a strange practice like, yes, I was triggered, you know? <laughs> like I don't I don't think the tendency is to feel that. It seems more of a practice where you realize the the value in it and you kind of work towards like seeing the gratitude in oh, this is like uncovering like a wound that's kind of festering inside me. And my partner is acting as my mirror or, you know, he, he, I'm able to uh, interact with him and figure out where these wounds are in one or both of us. And we can hopefully work together to get to the root of them or go upstream, as Chase beautifully said, to, to really discover the, the root. And so once somebody does, you know, identify a trigger and looking at these unwanted emotions, then what? What do you do to like, okay, I don't want this trigger anymore, or I, I want to move past this. What's, what's the next step? Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, So I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline and my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable, as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay, here's one more, just because they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about Immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast, and in four months, it helped clear my persistent high-risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high-risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. To try Immune Intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products, or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love. Yeah, so once you identify that emotion, we don't always know what its root causes. We don't know where that stream is going to take us. So a lot of times we have to figure out how to get there. And it depends on what your resources are. Sometimes it is just a walk in nature where all of a sudden your subconscious will start to provide that for you. You can journal, you could meditate. I use a practice called hypno journeying, which I can talk a little bit later about. Or there's a game I like to play called the why game. So can you guys give me an example of maybe an argument that you've had recently and we can play the why game? 
Um, we, we don't have, you don't argue. You don't argue. We we do have, I call them charged conversations because we don't, we're not yellers. We're not screamers. We're not name callers, but we do have situations where for some reason we're kind of in a charged conversation. I'm trying to think of one lately that comes up for us often, uh, having huge families from the same, you know, geographic location up in Washington. When we go home for the holidays, it's like, how do we allocate our time across a five-day stint uh, with to make sure that each family member is, is met? And although we don't argue about it anymore, when we were married, we, we definitely it was did. A thing. It is still like, a, okay, how do, how do we uh, meet everybody else's needs all the while protecting our relationship and family amongst this? So oftentimes it's like just, just having charged conversations around where and when and who uh, during yeah. our sort of family um, holiday, we have to show up and be present. Yeah. So in short, the, the, the argument you could say, which is not an argument anymore, it's a conversation, but previously it was kind of arguing about where we were going to spend Christmas and, and Christmas morning with whose family, right? Because it's, bo- it's important to both of us and there's a lot of people. So that was a situation that came up a lot. So if I was working with you, I would ask you, Mimi, what was the emotion that would come up when you had that charged conversation about whose house you get to wake up at on Christmas morning? The feeling during the conversation? Yes, um, during the conversation. I, um, I'm putting myself back into my part one body and psyche. Um, I probably would have felt uh, sad thinking of missing out on um, experiences with my family, Uh, probably sadness that came out more as something that looked like anger or whatever that, that Chase didn't value time with my family or something like that. That's a story. He never said that. But that's the story that I would tell myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Sadness. Yeah, so transmuting into anger probably. Yeah. So we'd look at that sadness and anger and I'd ask you why, why do you feel sad that you can't wake up with your family on Christmas? Or why do you feel sad that Chase doesn't see eye to eye with you and why it's important? And your reason might be why, because it's important for me to be with my family on Christmas morning. And then I'd ask you, why is that important? It's important to me because it was a, it was a childhood tradition and it seems like more of a priority than being at Chase's house. And we could get down in deeper that maybe because you realize like being around your family and love is like one of your core values. So we keep going down and down and figuring out really it's not that he, and maybe it's that you don't feel supported by him and that he sees that as a core value, how important it is. Um, so we just play, that one's a tricky one for me to get at without keeping to ask, without asking that question over and over again. But we can get to the bottom of it and figure out that, yeah, you know what, it's really important for me to be with my family because that's how I connect with them, yeah. being in the same physical space with them. Yeah, I can tell you, I mean, just to get more specific, we've, we've talked about this, but it's, it was important to me at the time because it was the Christmas morning with my family was the only, like one of the only constants in my childhood because I come from a blended family. I've had more parents than I can count. I have, you know, five siblings and Christmas at Grandma Marie's was the only thing that felt like a constant in my childhood. So I, I didn't want to miss that. 
I'm like getting like emotional thinking. Anyway, I just got goosebumps. I really did. You know what? That's so it. And it's not that you were arguing with Chase about silly logistics of where you're going to wake up. It was really this value that you have down deep, this belief that how important it is to feel that love of your family around you. And the idea of missing out on that, you're, we're, we project that onto our partner. You're projecting it onto Chase being like, you don't see me, you don't hear me, you don't understand. And really, sometimes we don't even realize that that's the reason. And if you had just explained it to him from that level, in that moment, things probably would have been a lot different. Yeah. So can somebody take themselves through that why, why, why layers? Or is that something that you recommend going through together with your partner? Oh, if you could do it with your partner, that's amazing. Absolutely. And it takes a little bit of getting used to the why game. You keep saying why until it feels right. Like, um, for example, if my husband was, I got home and I was he was sitting on the couch or watching TV and he's like, what's for dinner? All of a sudden I feel frustrated. I'm like, you've been home for an hour. You're asking me what's for dinner. I ask myself, why am I upset? Why? Because he looks lazy to me sitting on the couch. Why does it make you upset when you think he's being lazy? Because it makes me feel like I'm having to do more around the house than he does. There's a double standard. And why is that the case? And I keep going down layers and layers until I realize, you know what? I was the oldest child in my family. I felt like there was more responsibility on me. And I still projecting some of that onto my husband right now by thinking he's lazy because he values relaxation. But me growing up in a family as the oldest, I'm used to work, 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 no rest. So when you can get to that bottom layer, and if we could do that together, it creates such empathy, like you've been saying, because he'll understand why I'm upset that he's on the couch. And then he'll understand that I came from a different background with a different work ethic. And hopefully we can meet in the middle where maybe I can relax a little more and we can make dinner together. Yeah, right, uh, that's, that's great. Completely great. I do have a question. As you drill into childhood uh, programming, you know, maybe it's even traumatic to a certain degree. And you realize that you have these tendencies or these projections that are showing up in your adult life or your adult relationships, and you actually want to make a change. It's, not, it's less a matter of like, hey, there's a general acceptance that needs to take place from the way that I am and the preferences that I have, and actually this individual desire to transition into a version that isn't so subject to the conditionings or the programmings of your childhood. So maybe this is called inner child work. Maybe this is called, you know, early child trauma work. But what does that look like for you? And what are some of the tools for, uh, you know, evolving past these programs that are embedded into our psyche? Yeah, so I'll step back just one second. So for those that aren't 100% sure what inner child is, inner child is this like playful aspect of ourself, but it's also this area of ourself that has these little mini or major traumas from our past. And as a child, we needed a lot of times parents or adults in our life to give us what we needed. We needed to be reassured or loved or told like you are doing a good job. And sometimes when we don't have that, we, we carry around these wounds. So I call them childhood wounds. And as adults, we need to go back and we can reparent it. So I like to use the word reparent when we can go back kind of through our subconscious to those memories from our past. Maybe it was as a child, you were only praised when you did really well. You got an A on a test or you won a sporting event. You weren't praised for just being who you are. You weren't just told, I love you so much, just randomly. You're only felt supported during like these external incredible things that you did. So 
often in our relationships, then you need that praise. You want to hear words of affirmation from your partner because you don't necessarily feel the love any other way. So you can go back to yourself to those times, say that sporting event and tell yourself and you get to kind of parent yourself and you give yourself what you needed. And it helps to do this during a meditation. Um, I use hypno journeying, which is like a form of deep deep um, hypnosis where you get into this like theta brain state. And so I help women get into that state where we can really just access our subconscious mind and your subconscious will just provide these memories for you. You don't even have to think about it or even know they're there because sometimes you come across when you're like, I thought I was over that. Maybe it was my boyfriend from like high school who cheated on me and I thought I was so over him, but really I'm still holding on to some of that resentment. Yeah, the hypno journeying sounds really cool. I'm sure we've done something similar in all of our inner child meditation and work. It's probably the same, but can you go a little bit deeper into that and and what that actually entails for your clients? So when it comes to hypnojourneying, I'll just backtrack again. There's two minds. We have our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. And we really only use our conscious mind as it's only 5% of our brain power. The other 95% is subconscious. And that's where we store all our memories from our past. And with each memory, just say it was um, a birthday party and there was a snowstorm because I'm from Canada and the birthday party got canceled. So that's the memory. There's a belief from a five-year-old self. I thought, you know what? My friends don't like me. They're not coming. I didn't seem to rationalize the snowstorm. And from there, as an adult, when people don't show up or cancel last minute, the thought is they don't like me because it was programmed from that five-year-old birthday party self. And it seems really wacky. Like we really should, as an adult on our conscious mind, be like, it's not a big deal that someone couldn't come to my, my dinner party but we still hold that subconscious belief that, you know what, maybe they don't like me. So we can rationalize things, but sometimes our subconscious mind still drives our habits. And so with hypnojourneying, I get women into a theta brain state. And so theta brain state is this magical state. It's the state just before you fall asleep and just when you wake up. So you know when you wake up, you still kind of remember some of your dreams, but you also know I need to get up soon. So it's the state where your conscious mind, that thinking, planning, analyzing minds really quiet, but your subconscious mind, that dreamlike state is still there. Wow, that's great. And is this term hypnojourneying, is it something you coined or is this uh, something that you learned? Yeah, it's unique to Soulify Wellness. So it's something I coined. It comes from hypno being like a hypnosis and journeying is I take you on a journey into your mind. So I'm, like some meditations are guided meditations. So consider it like a guided meditation where we, we just go in and start exploring and pulling things up. And like I said, it's just so much fun because the subconscious really shows you what needs to be worked on. You don't go in, you might go in being like, I feel angry because my kids, I told them this morning, go up and grab their socks. And five minutes later, they come down with a book. And I was just so upset because we're going to be late for school, late for work. And I go in with that, but I realize in the hypno journey, it really has something to do with something completely different. So it's amazing what you go in with, but your subconscious mind actually links it to something else. Uh, I love that. What, what, uh, what are you seeing from your clients and people who've done this work as far as like uh, results? Is this something that's pretty immediate as far as the next time they potentially are triggered or something that might come up, they're feeling, feeling more relief? Or does it take consistent work? Is, is this something that takes a little bit more practice and integration? Yeah, that's a great question. Often after one session, they feel so much lighter. They actually feel a release. Um, A lot of times people apologize like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm crying. I'm like, that's perfect. That's a release. You're letting things out. So women cry with me all the time and they're just letting go of things that they've been holding on for so long and they feel this space. They feel this 
this energy to them. So they often feel that right away, but it depends how deeply rooted the issue is because consider it like layers, layers from childhood of feeling like you weren't heard, you weren't heard, like you would voice your opinion, but maybe you're just so not confident that people didn't really take you serious. And so you have, like for instance, in grade one, just say you saw someone say four plus four is six and the class laughed. And from that moment, you're like, I'm not putting my hand up because I don't want to be laughed at. And so at that point in your life, you probably didn't speak up as much and it's still impacting you today. So we have to go back and peel back all those layers. And often it makes a huge impact right away. But then all of a sudden something comes up again. You're like, you know what? I still need to tweak that, that memory a little bit. I think this is so great because this is something that I probably is looked over in relationship and partnership work. You know, um, if you go to like a divorce counselor or someone who is maybe like a psychologist who focuses on people who are on the, the edge of divorce, aside from what you do. But I, I, I think if you're just trained, you know, in the system, this may not be something that you're, you're specifically looking at, you know, um, these events that could have happened when you were five, six years old, something as simple as, you know, the class laughing at someone in your, in your school, like that seems so trivial yet we know from people like Dr. Bruce Lipton and people who talk about, you know, from age zero to seven, you are a sponge. That's, it, it's wired into us to absorb, 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 absorb. And we're creating these neural pathways in our brain that then follow us, you know, for life sometimes until we start to rewire them. And so it makes so much sense that these experiences that are, were significant to you at the time at five, or six or whatever years old, even though we may not consciously remember, oh, I'm doing this because in Mrs. Graham's class in first grade, I remember having that reaction. But your subconscious, as you're talking about, remembers it and now is framing your world based on these very significant, but maybe hard to remember experiences as a child. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And oh, I have a couple of things to mention that zero to seven, we are in that theta brain state, that magical brain state that we have when we just wake up as adults. That is the state that you're in most of the time as a seven and eight year old, which is why you're that sponge because your subconscious is so open to take on everything within your world. And the other piece you'd mentioned I wouldn't, psychology comes from often a, what's called cognitive behavioral therapy or like a talk therapy standpoint, which definitely has its purpose. It's very much on the conscious level, that thinking, planning, analyzing brain. Um, so I, the work I do, I've worked with other practitioners that are in that space and they do, couples will work with me or the wife will work with me in conjunction to do the subconscious work and the talk therapy. And you do the two together and it's super powerful. So I think the two, there's a place for both but you definitely need the subconscious work. You, otherwise, it can take you a long time to release some of that stuff. And that's why couples therapy doesn't always work for some couples. They might find that they do their homework. So they go home and they start using the, I feel upset because it makes me feel angry when blah, blah, blah. And they use their I statements, but two weeks later, they're into their old patterns. And it's because we haven't dug out that subconscious belief from their, from their past. So once we can release that subconscious piece, the I statements will work and they'll stick. Yeah, it seems like the traditional method is more based on willpower and practice rather than really rewiring the brain and the behaviors that stem from our subconscious and our thoughts. 
Is that- yeah, I think of it. Yeah, for sure. I think of it like mantras. Mantras work, like saying, um, like, I love myself, or I am worry-free, or I will not... I will not feel guilty about taking me time. Like you can say mantras over and over. Eventually they'll build that new neural pathway, but it just takes a lot of time. If you can just skip that step of having to consciously talk to yourself over and over for weeks and months and just do a session of hypnosis or some subconscious work, it'll kind of clip that neural pathway so much faster so that you can create a new neural pathway with a new thought that yeah. benefits you in your in today's life. Definitely. I, I think something I'm taking out of this is, is you know, identifying those moments that I'm in that beta state or, or even uh, curating environments that I can get to that point. And then taking my meditation specifically for some of these, uh, you know, deeper, maybe it's inner child work. Uh, maybe it's just like reprogramming or rewriting how I want to show up uh, in my current relationships in a, in a way that uh, is more supportive being in that sort of theta brainwave um, state. Super curious, as you're working with couples, and I know you mentioned you work predominantly with, with women, are you seeing that a lot of times couples um, troubleshooting is, is coming up from um, uh, the women's perspective more, they're coming to you more directly with issues, or is it a little like more even from your perspective? Because I, I feel like with us, we often hear a lot of times it's um, the women in the partnership that are bringing um, the desire to work on the relationship up more so than the men. Yes, I've had, I've worked with two men out of the hundreds of women I've worked with. So often the wife will come to me and she just, she's just at the end of a rope. She's just lost her clarity. She feels so stuck. She's like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to split up my family. I still have another try in me. I really want my marriage to work. And that's how they come to me. And the, the incredible thing is you have the power and control to really save your mess, sorry, your marriage as just one person. It's, it seems like a crazy concept, but you really do. You're 50% of that relationship. You're 50% of the communication. You're 50% of the energy that's in that household. And so when you can totally transform yourself and release yourself of all these burdens that you've been carrying for so long and really step into like, my next step is really becoming your authentic self. And when you can become that best version of you. You don't argue anymore. You see them with such respect and love that what happens is like from a vibrational energetic standpoint, you're vibrating in that high vibe zone of happiness and joy, no longer in that low vibration state of like anger and sadness. And your partner has nothing to do but come up with you. It takes them a little longer because they're working more on that conscious level, but they come up slowly and they're, they're there with you. It's, it will have such an incredible impact because all of a sudden since the arguments are gone they're open they're safe they feel secure around you again because those arguments aren't going to happen they don't feel belittled or um, on edge I think that that's that's a uh, beautifully put, and I, I have seen that obviously in our own relationship how we've transformed things and everything. But um, I think what you said the last thing where when you transform yourself, <laughs> you start behaving differently towards your partner because you're behaving differently towards yourself, your partner picks up on that. And specifically what I mean is, um, you said it, but using a different word, emasculation. Like women are in the state of oftentimes emasculating their partner because they don't feel something. Whatever they're looking for from their partner, they're not feeling it. Okay, so I'm going to make you less feel less powerful as well. I'm going to weaken you because I feel weak in some way. And it's sort of this reactionary thing, but I think it's really, really, I, I know it's really common and when that changes or shifts 
I, I, there's no way that your partner won't change or shift in some way with it. It may not be perfect right away, but if I'm starting to express more love and be more respectful and more caring towards Chase, you'd have to be pretty dense <laughs> not to feel that and respond in, in some way that matches that. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Well, it's a question uh, for Beth, really, because in this process, we've articulated as you can potentially become more whole, um, you know, you're working on yourself and this can even be done just independently and even lift the collective vibration of the, of the couple or the marriage because of all the work that you're doing and, and the kind of energetic space that you're conjuring up for your partner to then match or raise their vibration. What happens if they don't? Uh, you know, as we continue down this road and the independent work is getting deeper, deeper and heavier and one partner over the other is finding all these breakthroughs and these, you know, personal evolutions, yet there is either a staggering or uh, no progress made at all on the partner's uh, part, where would you say, okay, here's time, here, here is time where you need to evaluate the future of the relationship? Like at what criteria are you evaluating and for how long before kind of the hard decisions have to be made? Yeah, Chase, that's a really good point you brought up. Not every marriage can be saved. So really you go into this process, just starting with those emotions, those triggers. And when you get to a place where you feel like you've released a lot of this, um, you're coming from a place of love. You can see your partner for who they are. You see your partner's baggage. You see their shadows. You're no longer projecting your own securities onto them. And you can, you'll, you'll, you'll know because you're in this beautiful place where you feel so much more complete with or without them. And you have the women I've worked with, it's only happened a couple times, but they're so confident. They're so worthy of what they want. They're so deserving. They, they know inside them what they deserve and they can make that choice. They'll have that clarity being like, you know what, it's time. It's time for me to exit this marriage. And they can navigate the ending of the relationship with such grace because they're in such a beautiful spot. They're not as triggered throughout that whole process because they just, they love themselves and they know this is the best for them and they don't get pulled into the drama of it per se or the darker emotions. It, it's not easy. I'm making it sound like it's super easy, but it's incredible how they can navigate it though from the place they're at after this transformational work. What are some things you would say uh, that are appropriate measures for attempting to enroll your partner in this type of work? Uh, versus what might be inappropriate, you know, inappropriate being like, you know, guilting or them into <laughs> not doing any personal development. Um, but, but what would be an appropriate measure, like a practical example of how to enroll your partner? Um, but also what would probably cross the line and kind of like interfere with their own free will? Hey, homies, if you're anything like Chase and I, you really enjoy exercise and building a healthy, strong body. Obviously, what we do inside the gym is important, but what we do outside of the gym is just as critical to our success, like the supplements you're using to support your results. One of our favorite conscious body brands is called Keon. We've both been using Keon for a few years now for muscle building, strength, and recovery. Keon is well known for being super clean, super tasty, and super effective. Our supplement trifecta. Chase and I both use the aminos, the whey protein, and the creatine on a regular basis. Yes, creatine is for women too. And Keon's is top of the top shelf. 
To learn more about Keon, head to our medicine cabinet at themedicine.com and use the code medicine, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount on any and all Keon products. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it has to come from a place to love. So you need to ask yourself what you're saying to them. Is this really just coming from the authentic me, the loving me, the, the higher version of me? Or if what I'm saying to them or suggesting to them is coming from a place of ego, is it coming from a place of like, I told you so I'm better than you. So that's the first thing. Everything we say, we just need to double check. What is the meaning behind it? Is it truly from my heart space? And if it's coming from your heart space, and they receive it, amazing. If they're not receiving, then we just need to meet them where they're at. Um, When I first started this and talking to my husband about, oh, my shadows this or my past this, he loved it because he's like, I've been telling you that for years and now you're just realizing it. So we had fun. It was almost like I wasn't making fun of myself, but it was like outing myself being like, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry that I've been so stubborn about this for so long, but you're right. I'm not very good at admitting my mistakes or I really do like to be perfect and do things well because that's how I was praised. If I did I played high level sports, I did well in school, and that's how I felt like I got a lot of my validation and my people liked me because of that. Um, So it's amazing going on that job, that job, but that journey and kind of working through it together, being like, this is what's coming up for me. And they'll become more open with you too, about outing themselves and being like, you're right, I probably, that was really not a nice thing that I said. Um, I was just trying to almost like hurt you back. Um, But really, I should just own that. No, that's, that's incredible. Perfect. We talk about often, so many times couples find themselves in uh, connection or what seems like kind of perfect puzzle piece fit because there are these deficiencies in each other's lives that so, you know, they're out of balance versions, just kind of happenstance fit perfectly to meet each other's quote unquote needs. But it is from this kind of codependent perspective. I think oftentimes in our world, and, and what I've seen a lot is men will want to partner with the same age version of what their mother provided for them. There's this codependency on the mother in our culture and society so often that whether they're aware of it or not, there's this curation of their significant other into being the mother for them. What they don't realize is that will ultimately lead to a lack of like, you know, even just sexual intimacy with your, with your partnership, just from that kind of mother son type relationship and the energy that it emits. And so when the transition takes place of, let's just say it's your significant other, who's the the female who starts evolving and finding the versions of her feminine archetype that are a little different than the mother archetype that her partner is mm-hmm. expecting, it can lead to this disconnection. And so if the man doesn't choose to continue to lean into his own further evolution and realize that there's this codependent type relationship on the mother archetype that is blocking him from seeing or connecting to his significant other who has a more holistic feminine archetype that is going to lead to a huge gap in the relationship. And that's everything from conversation to sexual connection to the way you raise your children. And so I think what I, what I love that you're saying is like these progress points on enrolling each other in the evolution and uh, you know, not essentially doing it on your own, but rather like keeping a pulse mm-hmm. on the, the evolution with your partner so that there is this kind of like eliciting of the other's enrollment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have two things to add to that. So the first one is during that process, like you mentioned a gap, sometimes there's a grieving process and your partner doesn't always 
kind of like this journey you're on, it might make them feel really insecure because they think that you're trying to be better or you're trying to change things when things are already just fine. They don't always see why you're on this path. And then as you start to evolve and maybe you realize I'm not going to spend so much time in this discussion um, of arguing about who's going to vacuum tonight or, you know what, I'm going to take some more me time. I'm going to go out for a walk for half an hour. And they don't really recognize this version of you who's all of a sudden taking care of your own needs and really putting yourself first, protecting your own energy. And that can create some kind of tension or conflict at first. So it's not a perfectly smooth road of this like uphill climb to be your better self. There is some grieving and some back and forth and figuring out who you are because you'll grieve some of your old versions of you that may be codependent you or that people pleasing you um, and your partner will as well so there is some time that it takes to kind of close that gap if your partner's on that same path and often they are they will vibrate raise their vibration like you um, yeah so that, that's the one part the other part is we call it daddy issues or we call it mama's boy so some of those are issues that come through in in our relationships, we often marry partners that are similar to the opposite sex parent because we're almost redoing parts of our childhood. It sounds kind of silly, but we didn't feel as loved by our dad in a certain way. We may meet, we might as some drug abuse use or possibly some anger issues. Um, so we often marry partners that are similar in certain traits just to kind of redo some of those aspects of ourself that weren't loved or heard or seen from childhood so there is some definite like connection between that mama mom and son kind of relationship and who you marry later on in life yeah I, I've we we've talked about it and there's definitely been a little bit of you know and it seems like too like it's not just how the other person shows up organically it's sometimes we groom them to be that version that we know of our parent or whatever, the opposite sex parent that, you know, we're grooming our partner to be, um, to provide evidence of X, Y, Z, you know, whatever story that our brain is telling us. Um, I feel like sometimes you can also groom your partner. It's not just how they show up. And so that's, I think this kind of theme coming full circle is like, being able to examine and get a baseline for where you're at and continuing every day to to question and to look inside and, and look at your inner world and see where you're at and what you might be projecting or how you might be grooming your partner to show up in a way where you can be like, see, that's how you are. You know, I don't know if you see that at all or how you help people through that, but I think it's, it's, it's definitely very real that it's, it's a, it's a both and not just this is how you are. Mm -hmm. It's the foundation of what bullying is as the schoolyard bully, they're projecting um, a deficiency or a part of them that's in pain. That bully, we always see them as powerful and in control and can cause a lot of pain, but they're going through pain. That's why they are projecting that onto like the weaker victim at school. So um, that's like, the first time in our lives this child, as children, so we, that we start projecting our insecurities onto others as we see those bullies on the playground. And we do that in adulthood. It's so cruel, but we do that to our partners. Um, we don't always know that we're doing it. So when we can become aware of our own anger, then we can stop projecting that. Because it's so funny, like sometimes something might break on the floor. I, I used this example earlier. And you feel frustrated and then a minute later your partner comes in and you kind of snap at them. You snapped at them because you're still upset about that glass that broke on the floor. Um, it's, it's funny how we do this, but we just want to make other people miserable on a subconscious level sometimes. 
I love the the examples you use. They're so perfect because they're everyday real examples. They're not these big explosive events. I mean, certainly sometimes those things can happen, but more 99% of the time it's because I dropped the bowl and the soup went everywhere and then you walked in at the wrong wrong time and received my wrath and then now we're fighting about that. You know, it's these little moments or your your Costco uh, example is so perfect. And these are the things that everyday people, you know, can argue about or have charged conversations about. And so I love that you're helping people through those examples of everyday real life um, events that, that can, for whatever reason, just explode into, um, you know, a thousand little paper cuts to your relationship. And then you get 10 years down the road and it's not any big thing that happened. It's these little things that happen every day that you don't address and then they fester and now you're looking at your husband or your wife and you're like who are you like do we even like each other I feel like that's such a common occurrence with um with married people um certainly people that we know and been in contact with and everything but um definitely something to avoid if we can and and it's great to hear from you that little steps, little things, and um, working on yourself is like the gateway to avoiding all of that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And like Chase said, that those little things over time completely kill any intimacy within your relationship. First off, usually the emotional intimacy goes because you don't feel connected, which then often drives that physical intimacy. So it's so important that we stay on top of this so you don't drive each other apart because you start off with that little resistance, those little paper cuts, which then turns into resistance, which, which, sorry, then turns into resentment, which then leads to rejection. And when we feel rejected, intimacy is gone. So um, yeah, when we can have that awareness, it's a game changer in our life, awareness of our own emotions and that we are in control of them. Nobody makes us feel angry. No one makes us feel sad. We own that emotion. I love that. Radical ownership. Radical ownership. What are some... What are some data points or some success criteria that you can start seeing or identifying in yourself once you start putting the work in? Uh, you know, something that comes up for me is, is you know, my temper when I was a younger man and when I was in, in marriage would just show up in just random places for no reason at all. You know, I'd spill a drink or I'd break a dish or something and I don't know what it was, but I would it would... <laughs> throw me into a fit of rage at no particular thing at all, just, just sheer rage. And when I knew that I started to make progress on myself, I uh, was actually showed up in, in our kitchen one day when we were back together in part two and I spilled soup everywhere. <laughs> I like dropped this, you know, container of soup and it spilled everywhere. And I just very quietly was like, fuck. <laughs> and, and actually it wasn't this kind of like rage. And it, I sat there and almost like laughed. I was like, wow, that's progress. I, I, I was like, Babe, that's growth. Like <laughs> real, real growth. And so curious what, as people continue to lean into this work, what are some of the things that they will start picking up on? Um, they'll start seeing show up in their life that's good, like a, a good data point for like, hey, I'm, I'm making progress here. What are you seeing in your work? Your example was perfect because it's so hard to pinpoint those data points because it's all of a sudden one day you're like, oh, that doesn't bother me anymore. So at first you can't really track it because you don't even realize it's shifted until you drop the soup all over the kitchen floor and you're like, you're unbothered by it. You're like, oh, just grab a napkin and let's clean this up. So it's really all of a sudden, it's like it hits you at a moment where you're like, okay, that's amazing. I don't really care anymore that um, 
that like my kids didn't bring down the socks like they were supposed to, or that my husband's lying on the couch having a relaxing time. It's not that he's not making dinner. He's just having a relaxing time. And all of a sudden you just, you're so much happier because you're not carrying around this like resentment, anger, sadness, frustration all day. Um, you just, life happens and you're okay with that. Everything in our life is there to teach us something. And you can honor that so much differently than before when you thought the world was against you. So I wish we could track it. I guess if we walked around with a clipboard being like, am I triggered by dropping things on the floor? Am I triggered by my husband on the couch? You could try and track it that way, but often it just happens organically and you just kind of realize, you know what? I'm not bothered. I just, I feel okay. I'm all right. Yeah. It almost becomes like, or you become unconsciously conscious, right? Where you don't even have to think about it and it's just flowing from you. And that's the ideal situation is that, or the ideal scenario is that we get to the state where we don't have to think about being a better person or a more conscious person. We just are because we've practiced and we've put in, you know, the work and the meditation and the hypno journeying and the, the tools, uh, during communication. And, and I will say on, on the receiving end of, um, not that you would scream at me because of the soup, but what I also noticed, um, in Chase as he developed, you know, uh, more tools, I would say for healthy expression of anger rather than just kind of like flipping out at the dropped soup when you are less triggered by that thing that you did and have this, you know, response that's sort of like blowing your lid, there's less of that towards your partner too. Mm. Where if I'm forgiving of myself and I don't get angry at myself and I don't hold myself to an impossible bar or standard, then I'm also able to kind of um, gift that to my partner as well, where they might do something that I wouldn't have done it that way, but you know what? Like they're their own person and you almost, you have this like recognition, um, and this, uh, more, I would say softness, um, when you first allow it to yourself. Yeah. Getting really, and I'm sure you see this often Beth, but getting really familiar with the version of yourself that you're so critical of externally to others, and, and forgiving or allowing empathy for the version of yourself that might spill soup or might um, not, you know, bring the socks down instead of the, the, the books and just like getting comfortable with each one of those versions like inside of yourself so that then you don't project the judgment out onto others. Is that something you would like lean into as well? One of the questions that I get basically every single day is, Hey Mimi, is this a good mushroom product? It's usually accompanied by a picture of Company X mushroom product, and this person wants my help in deciding if they should keep using it or buy it for the first time. There are new mushroom companies popping up all the time as medicinal mushrooms become more and more popular. And nine times out of 10, I have to be the bearer of bad news and let the person who's asking me know that the pure mushroom product they thought they were getting actually has a lot of grains, oats, or rice in it, which act as fillers and bulk up the product. I know, not awesome. But then I get to be the bearer of good news and let this person know that there are companies that are creating incredible mushroom extracts. My favorite is real mushrooms. Real mushroom products are exactly that. 
real mushrooms. They are organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, and third-party tested multiple times for their scientifically verified active compounds. No grain, no starch, no fillers, just real mushrooms. My favorite right now are the lion's mane and chaga extract powders, but they also have capsules for you if you're on the go. To get some real mushrooms in your beautiful body, go to realmushrooms.com slash Mimi to receive your hefty discount, or just check the show notes below for the link. Bringing you only the best. Cheers, boo. Oh, absolutely. Once you've owned it yourself, which you, once you're in a place where you can accept mistakes for, you know what, that's just a mistake. It's not a measure of who I am as a person because I made a mistake. It doesn't mean I'm good. It doesn't mean I'm bad. It isn't black and white. It just, it's a mistake. And when you can get to that place, you don't judge others for the mistakes they make. You don't have a high bar of you need to do it this way. Otherwise it's wrong. And like you said a second ago, Mimi, um, when you said it just kind of happens like that, how did you word it? It's consciously unconscious? Un- unconsciously conscious. Uncon- unconsciously conscious, sorry. It's, that's the power of neuroscience. That's the power of creating a neural pathway. When you all of a sudden realize it's just there, it means that old neural pathway, that old thought pattern that said, I need to be perfect or I need, not perfect, not that anyone actually thinks they need to be perfect, but we sometimes are really critical to ourselves, like you said. Um, but that, that means that neural pathway is gone. There's no thought, there's no electric stuff traveling through that anymore. It's, you have a new one that's in alignment with your highest self. Yeah. I love that. So good. So many good nuggets in there. Um, my last question for you before we get to our rapid fire questions is, what are a few things that everyone listening, every person today, whether they are in a long-term relationship or just dating, what are a few things that we could start doing today to have more loving, supportive, passionate connection with whoever our partner is? All right. So I would start with three. The first one is really, like I mentioned earlier, being that detective. So every emotion that comes up that's unwanted, really, even if you had a notes, like if you have your notes app in your phone, document some of the stuff. Use five words. The first word would be the emotion, anger. The next four words would quickly describe the situation. So anger, the car in front of me is driving below the speed limit. Something as simple as that and you feel angry because you're going to be late. And just tracking some of that, those emotions throughout the day provide these massive clues into our relationship struggles. The next thing I would do, number two, is if you and your partner can do your love language quiz. Uh, have you guys done your love language quiz? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. We, we've, uh, I think back in part one. We did. We, yeah, but I think that ours- I do it as a, my, uh, the company I'm a part of. We, we do love language uh, for all of our team members so that we can all properly yes. communicate with each but other. But yes, we are familiar with each and other. And we talk about them often, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's extremely powerful because often we love each other. Like you love your partner the way you want to be loved. So just say you love receiving gifts. You keep buying your, your spouse, your husband, like new, new pants that you're like, or cute sweater, or you bring takeout and you think that's what they're going to appreciate, but really they don't even seem to care. And then you feel hurt. Um, but really that's your love language. Their love language just might be quality time. You sitting on the couch with them, um, like cuddling with them. So when we can get to know each other's love language and better support each other with that, it ends a lot of fights because you don't feel as upset or angry that they're not loving you the way you need to be loved. So that would be my number two. And my number three thing that your listeners could do right away is really getting in touch with who you are authentically. And authenticity is such a 
like what does that really mean um, for me in my practice what being authentic is if you can go back to a time like a time in your life where you felt unstoppable. Um, maybe it was when you were on the field playing sports or maybe you were singing in a choir or just your, it could be your wedding day or maybe it was the day you had your first child. But you go back to a day when you felt on top of the world, unstoppable, no one could knock you down. You just ooze confidence. And you go back to that time and you just like, if you get really still, you can almost embody that feeling again. It's like you get this warm, lovey gooey feeling within you like you're just lighter and if you can embrace that every once in a while even every day practice that and speak to your partner and those in your life from that authentic self and it's almost like you need to just take a big breath and just slowly let the words come to you um, where you're very much in the moment because you're embodying that beautiful piece of you yeah i love that that's so good we get caught up in this space of using like really fancy words and we're talking about energy and <laughs> it's so like esoteric and and sometimes like not all that practical but going back to just getting an understanding on what and how your partner receives and communicates love like don't buy me a ton of gifts just tell me i'm the man that's all yeah. i need to hear <laughs> uh you know certain things uh can it can really that are really practical or the low-hanging fruit that can get the ball rolling it can it can be the momentum to to delve deeper into some of the uh the more esoteric or the more kind of like energy work or the hypnotherapies and like pick off some of these low hanging low barrier to entry into kind of the relationship space type uh, mechanisms and it's, and it's going to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really great. Um, so we have a few rapid fire questions for you. Um, the medicine podcast is all about sort of this expansiveness and the medicines that bring that expansiveness in the way of body, mind, and relationships. And we would love to hear from you, Beth, personally, what currently feels like medicine for your body first. Ooh, healthy food, healthy food and not eating chips. Okay. I maybe I'll go the opposite chips in coming into Halloween season. Candy does not feel like medicine. So when I can eat food specifically where I am right now, there's a huge harvest season. So we're eating a lot of squash soup. We're eating a lot of kale salads. We're eating all these like hearty fall foods. And that just, oh, it just feels so good to eat food out of my garden. Mm. You're, you're speaking to our love language now. Yeah. Food, come yeah. on. Love it. Oh, that's so good. What, uh, what about for your mind? What feels like medicine for your mind right now? Medicine for my mind would be getting into that subconscious mind where I can really play around and see what's in there that needs to come out, what's keeping me stuck. So when I can go out for those walks or just quietly sit somewhere and do those hypno journeys, that's medicine for my mind. Love it. What about for your relationship or relationships? What currently feels like medicine? Intimate time. So emotional intimacy, but also physical intimacy. That really, I think, bonds us back together is when we can physically connect and emotionally connect. Mm, I love that. And I know you guys had a great post the other day. Oh, it was oh, fascinating. Was it the cosmic orgasm post or what? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. I think, yes, that was good. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a, that's um, the essential oil wizardry is the the brand that we love for tinctures and essential oils. And they, um, Dr. Nick Berry um, is, is someone we just had on and, and he has these beautiful mixtures for enhancing the physical chemistry and the intimacy. It's not necessarily supposed to fix anything, but it can enhance certainly. And so, yeah, we enjoy those. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lovely. Well, we'll have to all try that. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for being here. And you are such a wealth of knowledge. And I love that you take this approach of practicality and a little bit of the esoteric and the expansive sort of tools like hypno journeying and everything. And um, you are clearly such a light and your, your clients are so blessed to be working with you. What are you excited about? What are you working on? Where can people go to learn more about you? Great question. So you can follow me on social media. So Facebook, Instagram at Solify Wellness. And I'm working on right now with my clients is a 12 week program. So it's called the Solify Marriage Saver Program, where you get to hop into these hypno journeys every day to really transform your marriage. Um, also, as a free gift to your listeners, there's two things they can grab. There's a free Save Your Marriage Guide at www.freemarriageguide.com. Or if you really want to try one of these hypno journeys, there's one called The True You on my website that you can download that really helps you connect with your authentic self. Wow. Thank you. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. So generous of you. We'll definitely have all of those links in the show notes. You guys make sure you check them out and go check out Beth on Instagram, Solify Wellness. Again, I'll have that in the show notes. And uh, again, thank you so much. We are so grateful that you came on and shared your wisdom, some of your wisdom. I know it's just the tip of the iceberg, but thank you again. And uh, we are happy to be an extension of you. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yes. All right, you guys take one thing from today's conversation and take it into your life, into your awareness, into your being, into your relationships. No matter where you're at in life, there is something in here that you can start today, even if it's just showing up as your more authentic self or taking notes of your uh, negative or unwanted emotions. Start looking at yourself under a little microscope with love and with non-judgment and see how your life can change. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Beth as much as we did. She has such a kind and uplifting energy. Um, We really just enjoyed her so much. This is all just filling your relationship toolbox with more tools. And I don't know about you, but I certainly never want to be done filling that relationship toolbox because in my opinion, there is nothing more important than our relationships. They are woven into every aspect of our lives. So if you want to connect with Beth further, you can go to soulifywellness.com. That's S-O-U-L-I-F-Y soulifywellness.com and check her out. Thank you so much for listening and also leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. Again, if you take a screenshot before you push submit and send that to themedicinepodcast at gmail.com, we will send you a personalized thank you gift. Might be one of our favorite brands, maybe some HCC, maybe some Organifi, maybe some real mushrooms. It'll be a surprise, but it will be well worth your time. I can assure you that. So the medicine podcast at gmail.com and also include your name and shipping address so we know who to send it to. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy your day. Bye.